Office O'Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Beth Pratt. Beth has spent 14 years working in senior long-term care, beginning as an activity director in 2007. She worked in retirement, assisted living, memory care settings, and all of this before leaving the senior care world. Recently, beginning a new career, Beth has joined the Squim Dungeness Valley Chamber of Commerce as the executive director, and she works with businesses and organizations across the Olympic Peninsula to create a healthy and vibrant community for all. Beth is also an active member with Compass and Clock, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show today. Hi, Beth. Hey, Mary. I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, good. It's always a pleasure to do these podcasts with you and just catch up, and you're just a wealth of information. So I'm glad you made some time to join me today. So I think we should let everybody know what we're going to talk about, which is um, the different long-term care communities that are out there and what they do throughout the holidays, because there's many holidays throughout the year, but what they do for their residents for fun. So Beth, let's kick this off with um, talking about when you were the activity director at the Lodge at Sherwood for 10 years. What type of activities did you plan for your residents during the holidays? And um, kick off the answer, you know, starting with the Christmas season, please. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was the big one. Christmas launched on Halloween for me. Um, <laughs> Halloween, I, which sounds kind of funny, but Halloween was sort of the warning shot over the bow that the holiday season was here. Um, so Halloween was a big event and then here comes Thanksgiving. And as Thanksgiving was approaching, I had to be planning that four or five week window from Thanksgiving to the end of the year or six weeks, um, of events, entertainments, everything for everybody. And the shopping began the first of November, just like in, you know, your regular family, but I had a family of, you know, about 65 residents that I was responsible for providing the joy. And that came down to a whole host of things from um, shopping. Uh, we planned special Christmas shopping trips. This, I mean, as simple as that sounds. Uh, musical guests that were both volunteer and paid try to surprise some things with things that didn't show up on the calendar, like carolers that had come through the dining room. Um, but I did have a couple of things that were kind of an every year occurrence. And one thing we always did on Christmas Eve was a white elephant gift exchange for everybody that wanted to participate with the game, with the stealing and everything. And I ran the game so that I was my rules and you know, that way nobody had to get upset about it. And I always took my violin to work that day. And if I had anybody else that I knew that could play with me, I'd invite them. But Christmas Eve is hard. Um, so I would sit in the lobby by the piano and I had some backing tracks and I'd bring my violin and we'd play Christmas carols and they'd sing along with me or not. Um, so that was always our Christmas Eve tradition. And then New Year's Eve was always a big event. And I always had a midnight 
what did I call it? An East Coast midnight toast. So at nine o'clock, we toasted <laughs> in the new year so that we weren't there till the middle of the night. Um, and that was always a lot of fun to bring in a band, usually a dance themed band or something really lively and upbeat, some kind of jazz, give everybody the opportunity to dance if they wanted to, um, enjoy some toasts of champagne and some yummy snacks. And I always worked with the kitchen to help with all of that. We did an open house with the Christmas trees. We decorated every room of that building. So, and I know they still do. They're doing a virtual Christmas tree tour this year. I've been watching online. So that's been a lot of fun, but you know, holidays don't stop at Christmas. Like you said, it just starts, you know, we can start there. It's the big one, but shoot, we had, I had an annual event for Groundhog Day. Um, I would bring in, I had a trap, one of those uh, fry daddy fryers, you know, the little countertop deep fryers. And I would make um, a recipe. My family calls Grebel. Um, some folks call it Kleiner. I think that's the Danish name. If you're from Norway, you call it Fatigman, which is fat man. Um, but they're a deep fried sour cream dough that you toss in they're like a bow tie shape and powdered sugar. So for Groundhog Day, I would make that as silly as that is for Chinese New Year. I had a plan. I had a plan for Mardi Gras. I would order a king cake um, from a local bakery, which was harder to find here than it would be in the South. Um, but we celebrated every holiday that would come along. And I would pick the months that had no holiday in August as sort of the obvious one for activity programming that was around getting to know each other, uh, resident art show, um, fun trivia things I would do a resident of the day and have them answer a silly questionnaire and not put their name on it till the end of the day. So every day it was somebody new and folks could read the answers all day and try to guess. And then at dinner, they got their answer. So there were even non-holiday celebrations to be held throughout the course of the year. And, you know, Christmas was a big one, but boy, oh boy, did I have a plan for every holiday around that calendar. And I can still rattle off which holidays fall at which month. And, and I know you were friends and um, I know you're very creative. You're very enthusiastic. You love doing these. I could see you're wearing a nutcracker pin right now. You're mm -hmm. totally I have my little drummer the, boy from when I was a little drummer boy. Yep. You totally get into every season, but you're, you're not a, an anomaly. You know, you're a representation of the other communities out there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, activity directors are, the heartbeat of the building was what my boss used to say, uh, Michelle Hedrick, who's the manager there at the lodge. She would say activities are the heartbeat of the building. And our, my role was to give life to every event, was to breathe into it a creative spark. You know, for Halloween, I had to come up with a craft and it wasn't always carving pumpkins because a lot of arthritic hands scooping out those seeds is a challenge. And then they started doing those styrofoam carvable pumpkins. Those were super handy. They weren't so messy. But we even did like a decoupage candle holder project one year where we took strips of um, tissue paper and decoupage them on a mason jars and then put electric candles down inside them. And then they were part of the decorations year after year after we'd made them. So yeah, it's not just a one person show. It's There are associations for activity professionals. There are calendars you can go out and find. I had a book called On This Day and I would use it every day. I'd go through to see whose birthday famous people it's the donut of the year day or whatever, the national day of toothpaste, whatever that is. Yeah. So sometimes I would lean into that too for something else, but there's all, if you live in a community setting that has an activity professional, if they're not hitting those high notes on those big holidays or finding space in between the holidays for different kinds of events, then, you know, maybe help them, give them an idea, tell them that you want that. Some mm -hmm. communities, I used to say, this is sort of an odd off the wall sort of way of looking at it, but I had a population of about 60 to 70 people most of the time in that community. 
if three people left and three new people moved in, it could change the whole tone of the room by different balance of desire and want. And so I'd let something fall off one side to pick up something on the other, but then that would change again. Another three people would move in, something else would change. So your activity professional, while they're always listening, sometimes they need a little help. Then there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, how come we skip St. Patrick's Day this year? Everybody can use a little help. That's okay. Absolutely. So we, we were just talking about the lodge at Sherwood, which is independent. Mm-hmm. Um, you went to Parkview Villas, which was a combination of independent and assisted. And I know you had residents there with dementia too. So what type of activities would you plan in a community like this when you have such a mix of residents? So surprisingly, um, high-end independent retirement in my region is very similar to an independent assisted hybrid. The population's abilities are very similar from a physical uh, ability perspective. So from mobility to the arthritic fingers Mm -hmm. and what somebody can do as far as an arts and crafts project, it better not be that tiny, um, that kind of a thing. But when you're working with a more diverse population, um, at the lodge, I had a range of like 60 to 100 years old. That's two generations, three generations of people. That's a lot of need to meet. And when I was at Parkview, it's a community almost twice the size um, as far as population. It was 120 folks about um, with an even broader range of independent all the way to fully assisted with dementia diseases and extra family and caregiving supports. So those activities had to swing a really wide net. They couldn't just be the big, let's go load up the bus and go to Silverdale to go shopping. That's a long day for somebody with some of those physical ailments that have you know, necessitated an assisted living setting. So then you need to really lean into, we'll go to Silverdale this day, but tomorrow we need to focus on the folks that maybe just coloring a Christmas craft or watching a Christmas film or bringing in musicians to sing or doing a sing-along event. Um, I used, because I was doing marketing at Parkview Villas, one of the things we did was a, a pancake breakfast fundraiser once a year mm-hmm. where we would bring in music and uh, Santa for pictures so families could take pictures. Residents could invite their families in too, so it became a social event for them. Um, so there were a wide variety of things that you want to do for everything from just having a little bit something special on the dining room table for a meal or an extra social hour to those bigger outings. And you really have to focus on all those. And the holiday light tours, holy moly, you better do two or three of them because your bus is going to be full. Yeah. So (laughs) with the background that you've had um, with um, the um, long-term care communities and now being the executive director at the Squim Dungeness Chamber, um, are you carrying some of that forward because you know, you need to um, inject fun into what's going on with the businesses and, and, and involving the community. Mm-hmm. So how are you um, melding the two together? I actually, somebody said to me, you're about to be the, the activity director for the whole town of Squimp when I was <laughs> interviewing for this position, right? So I had to laugh. And it was my experience at the lodge as an activity director that really familiarized myself with the chamber because our owner was the president of the board of the chamber when I was there. So the chamber's activities were not unfamiliar, mm-hmm. but I, my first, I started on November 15th and on November 27th, I had a holiday event to run 
And while it was already planned and I knew what the steps were, it was a relaunch of an event that hadn't happened last year. So it was a revisiting of an old favorite, a hometown favorite around here in Squim, where we light the Christmas tree together as a community. Mm -hmm. Um, Our musical organizations perform. There's a tractor parade at night in the light. They're all lit up and beautiful. Um, So that was my first event as the chamber. But the chamber, a lot of what we do is event driven. And I am super excited to have taken this role as we're finding ways to reopen everything. I think the Zoom meetings are a wonderful tool. And we're all grateful that we've had this opportunity to stay connected this way, but I got to bring the life back into this. We got to meet person. We need a party. And one of the things we get to do is after hours events and they're hosted by local businesses. They're fun events. The chamber hasn't hosted one in almost two years. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get to do that again. I think we're going to try to host it here in February. We're looking at relaunching the in-person luncheons next week. And those are just monthly events, but we're looking at the Sunshine Festival in March, which is a city event, but we're very involved in that with the scavenger hunt and some other events. Um, we're going to be working very closely with the Irrigation Festival here, which is a huge draw for both tourists and for locals. Um, we get to do the Lavender Week. We're a part of that here, which is, of course, as we all know, Squim's known for its lavender. So we're in Purpleville here, right? So I have so many things. And there was uh, on the docket last year, somebody suggested a golf tournament. The chamber hosts a golf tournament. And I hope to goodness we get to get that off the ground. It was a wonderful idea. I was looking through the materials earlier for the original plan. So my job this year, the way I see it is to take the calendar of events that we've done as a chamber in the past. And I've been a member of the chamber for many, many, many years. So I've I've participated in a lot of these and volunteered at them. Um, But my my first year here, my plan is to, as Colleen Robinson told me, she said, do everything once and then you'll know how the job goes. So I'm going to go through the year doing it once, but I'm doing it my own way. And I get to take all the historical knowledge of this institution, if you will, and drive that train and bring some new creative spark. I have a great team here. There's just a few of us with a great team of uh, volunteers and ambassadors. So I'm looking forward to a very vibrant 2022 for the Squim Chamber of Commerce. I see you corralling some of the um, seniors from the independent communities that you've um, worked with over the years as volunteers and and jumping on the bandwagon for fun. Um, Absolutely. And and keeping an eye on the reality of the average age and swim, right? We're a retirement community. I want our chamber events to be senior friendly too. From the holiday events to the festival events, I want to find a path for our seniors that want to participate to be able to join us too. And that means ability, you know, mobility issues, making sure that we're accessible. All of those things are important. You know, you were hitting on how you want to reopen as this, the communities reopen, you know, because of the COVID um, pandemic. Right. Um, let me ask you a question like this. So with COVID still lingering now, Um, What do you suggest for activities for seniors, you know, whether they're in communities or whether they're home? Um, Do you have any suggestions? And again, you know, we could talk about this um, holiday right now, which is Christmas, New Year's, et cetera. But throughout the holidays, what are your suggestions for seniors? Well, I think that we all have to just make our own best decisions, right? about who we're spending time with, um, what our own health issues are. So I'm going to leave that to the experts. I'm not a doctor. I play one on TV sometimes, but I'm not not a doctor. Um, But I think one of the things we need to remember is that our seniors, even when it's not COVID, one of the early lessons I learned as an activity director is that sometimes the holidays 
are simply overwhelming with too much noise, too many people, too much action, especially around folks with dementia diseases. And it's very hard for them to interact. And one of the things I started suggesting to families was if grandma or mom or great grandma was resistant to coming to the family Christmas, right? It's because there's going to be 30 people there with three toddlers and 17 dogs or whatever that is. And it was too much for them. And they're quiet now, you know, as they approach 90 and they're living in a little apartment, their life is very quiet and surrounded mostly by their peers. So I would suggest doing short things, go pick up mom or dad and bring them home for cookies and coffee and a look at the Christmas tree. Only one of the grandkids is coming over this time. And maybe a different grandchild goes and picks them up to take them for that scenic drive to look at Christmas lights for about an hour and keep those rides about an hour or an hour and a half tops and know where the bathrooms are going to be. That's important. I know it sounds silly, but you got to remember that you need to not make somebody feel uncomfortable. Um, and when you're working with seniors, that's important. I think finding ways to interact in a way that regardless of that person's visual hearing or dementia impairments, um, they can interact with you. So being focused on the person you're with, I think is the best advice I can give the activity itself. What's your family do? What did grandma always do for you? Do it for her. Does she always make you your own cookie tray? Then bring that to her. Did she always provide you with your own poinsettia for your desk at work? Then bring her a poinsettia. So I think that doing things that echo back to memory are wonderful, but just keep in mind that it may be frustrating to you as the hustle bustle matriarch in your family with your adult children and your grandchildren coming that you want their grandmother to be a part of it with you but maybe she broke a hip last summer and she's still in recovery and she walks with a walker and the room feels really crowded to her. Maybe her hearing isn't as good as it used to be. Maybe she can't see more than just the periphery anymore. So think about slimming those events down. Give, give that elder grandma or grandpa or great grandma or grandpa, give them some room to be comfortable. And I think that's the best key to success at the holidays and all year round mother's day, father's day, birthdays, anniversaries, Perhaps your elder wants the chaos, but my experience is about, it's about a 75, 25 split that really it's too much, um, especially for folks that have dementia diseases. Great advice. Absolutely great advice. Um, last year, you told me about um, Christmas cards for seniors, which was a project you were working on and I loved it and I kind of stole it <laughs> and I implemented it through Compass and Clock. And our audience for the last two years has engaged in writing Christmas cards for seniors and sending it to um, a list of assisted living communities and memory care communities where um, there might be somebody that doesn't have a loved one sending them a card. Yeah. So it puts a smile on someone's face. So can you talk a little bit about projects like this and how they engage seniors throughout the year? I... I could not believe the results when I started pushing for pen pals and then it got to be closer to the holidays. So we were pushing for Christmas cards. We got flooded and it was fantastic. The hard part in house was some of the residents didn't understand that. Why would I answer a stranger? I don't, I don't know that person. It's like, no, 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 no. You get to just read it. This is just a, a message of love and caring to you. And I think one of the things people don't understand or realize is how alone in communities a lot of seniors are, especially private pay communities, regardless of level of care, folks that can afford such a thing 
six to $10,000 a month came from a specific social, social economic group, right? Their kids might live in Florida while they retired to swim. They're not going to see their kids on Christmas day. They're, these are folks that maybe chose a retirement destination. And then you have the other side of the coin where folks are living in communities with guardianships, um, where they don't have any contact with any family members for whatever reason. So the loneliness factor is higher than you would expect. The buildings don't get flooded with grandkids coming in to visit. There is no waiting list to get in. Um, there's a remarkable volume of folks that don't have visits at all. So projects like send a senior a Christmas card, send a pen pal letter, see if you can get a response. One of my nephews got a letter back from one of my um, fellows who had been an engineer. And so they wrote back and forth about stars. You know, I, I just love that, you know, so you just, and for young people, what a brilliant way to have a child understand reaching out in kindness and caring. And I think those kind of projects, bringing in musicians that are volunteer student musicians, they may feel like they're no soloists, but boy, oh boy, do folks appreciate the effort. Young groups of carolers, singers from choirs, just dropping in, singing outside off the balconies. Most of these places, they all have windows that open for certain. And a lot of them have balconies and private patios. Go wander and sing some Christmas carols. You don't have to know anybody there. Just call them like, and make sure the managers know you're coming. But I think that projects like that, they reach out and connect generations. They give young people a sense of service. They give elders a sense of belonging. How can you go wrong with that? I, th I think it's wonderful. And I, I'm thrilled. I don't care who steals it. Take it, run with it, do it. Everybody should have that, that connection. And there are a lot of services now. Senior Centers Without Walls has changed its, its organizational name again. And I don't remember what it's called, but there's a couple of different organizations with phone call out outreaches and that kind of thing. Um, where you can make sure that, you know, folks in your, in your circle, the elders that you know are getting phone calls or check-ins or friendly conversations. But shoot, what if you did send out a pen pal letter and ended up with a long-time correspondence and somebody that you've talked on the phone with once a month? There's nothing wrong with that. Make a friend. You know, you're, when I did the Christmas cards for seniors with Compass and Clock, one of the um, folks that engaged in it at Christmas time reached out to me in February then and said, Hey, can we do this for Valentine's day too? And I said, great idea. Let's do it. But yeah, we, we only have a few more minutes. So um, let me give you one last question. And it really is just, you know, what advice would you give to families and seniors during the different holidays throughout the year as we know it, because they can be a bit tougher than other days. And you've kind of answered this yeah. throughout, but you want to just sum it up for us? I think, and a lot, you hear this phrase a lot, give yourself some grace. Everybody doesn't get to do all the things they think they're going to do with the holidays. Everybody gets stressed out about it. And what I invite folks who are fully, you know, those of us that don't have mobility impairments or visual impairments or memory loss or hearing loss, think how hard it is for us just to get through all the checklists of things for the holidays to create that family magic for our families or our friends, or just to keep our own head above water through the holidays with our own work and our own busy schedule. Think about those that are impaired and have some grace for them too. Give yourself a break. It's about who you're with and loving the moment you're in. It doesn't have to be picture perfect. And I think that it doesn't matter what the holiday is. Include the people that you love. Give it all that you can. And don't, don't be angry at the things you cannot. If you cannot, you cannot. 
maybe next year, maybe next holiday, pick up Groundhog Day. You never know when you can make something festive in your life. It doesn't have to be one day. It, it, it's about connecting and being with people that you love, regardless of what that day is. And when it's a day that is an experience of loss and grief, like an anniversary for a widow, mm-hmm. have some grace and reach out to the people you love and know and, and give them a little extra squeeze on that day, even if it's virtual. Wow. Um, I know Beth, that your heart is so into making um, the lives of others so much richer. So I want to thank you for sharing your creativity with us and your enthusiasm today. And thank you also for reminding us about the little things that bring joy to ourselves and to others throughout the year. So eat the cookie. Yeah. So (laughs) listeners out there, um, thank you for joining Beth and I today. Make sure to spread a little holiday cheer and help brighten others' days throughout the year, throughout the season. Make each day count. Until next week, take care. It's nice to see you all. And thank you, Beth, for everything. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye, everyone. Bye.